may take a seat. God bless you. Wonderful. Thank you, worship team. You did extraordinarily well again. A couple of new songs thrown in there. Just to... What I want to do is uh, push through for about 30 minutes because I've got something from the Lord and uh, it's just not something I've conjured up, but something that has been put on my heart uh, during the week as I've been praying and meditating and just kicking back in God. And uh, it's, it's for the church straight up at the start of the new year. So for me, the start of the new year is like the beginning of a race. The Bible says that the, the life that we have, the Christian life especially, is like a race. And we're going for a prize. Uh, the prize is for the high calling, but the prize is for all that God wants us to do. So I want to just preempt this, that I want to give you... Uh, a clarity of where the church is at and where the planet is at and where God is at and where you're at. Because without now faith, the Bible says there is now faith. So I hope you've got your notebooks and uh, your pens, your Bibles, because there is a now faith that allows you to live in the rhythm of life, I call it. And Hebrews chapter 11 says... Verse 1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's now faith. It's current. It's now. It's on the money. It's not old-fashioned. It's not religious. It's not traditional. It's now. It's operative. It's current. And uh, it's a happening thing. And so that's what we've got to wrangle in our life uh, every day. You've got to not get sleepy. You don't get you know, lethargic, jaded, uh, whatever you want to call it, you, you, you're just sharp. That's what a businessman is. He's usually someone who's sharp, can read the, the, read the scene, read people and crunch stuff. And uh, that's what really an entrepreneur is. He reads the market. He does some market research. He goes out. He creates a product. He gets a product. He sells it. He promotes it. I mean, that's what an entrepreneurial person is. That's why we got to believe for those type of people in the church because they can really crunch stuff for you. Amen? And so, in fact, I'm a little bit like that. If you look at our webpage and if you look at some of our profile, you'll see that I'm very big on subscribing to uh, marketing the church, profiling the church instead of being huddled up into a little little religious huddle. No, I want to expand. I want to influence. I want to push out. And there's ways to do that through media and other ways. I want to speak about prayer this morning. I, want to, I believe God's speaking to the church about prayer. And I believe that it's... And here's another thing. I believe it's time to believe for more, more souls. We've got to go for souls. And then I'm hoping that I get grace. I've not quite got the grace yet. I've been fighting it all morning, but I've got a, a story that happened to me during the week. And I want to crunch a very powerful incident that I had during this week after I had prayer time of two, three hours prayer in the Word, praying. And then I went into the marketplace that is, I mean, out there, in, in could be anywhere. Marketplace means the government, uh, business, and education. So when we say marketplace, it's out there. And I went into the marketplace. I don't know what day it was. I don't know if it was Thursday, 
I think it was Thursday or Friday, but I had an amazing, life-changing encounter of a story that I want to share, but I need to get grace to do that. I want to crunch some scriptures, and I'm going to do this because I know the kids are in the house, and I want to try and reach everyone. I want to, I want to reach everyone because... I believe God is after your friends. I'm looking at the youth here. I I believe God is after your friends so they don't go and spill out into experimenting with their life and doing drugs And uh, because I lost friends who experimented experimented with drugs and experimented with life, I should say. And, you know, they did crazy stuff. They lost their life. I don't want to see that happen to people. I want them to see... I want them... I, I I want to believe that we can reconcile so many more people than, than what we did last year. We had 190 people saved through this house last year. That's phenomenal. Um, we, had, we had a hand in that because we had some good evangelists. Andy Kabbalah naming one. Andy Kabbalah who saved probably half of those people in two, two events that we have. Isn't that great? Don't you love the gift of an evangelist? They could just talk about anything, chewing gum, and they just get you saved. It's fantastic. But um, and we this, this year, we have a goal. If you look at the webpage, and please review the webpage, check it out, and look at the pastor's. Do you check out the pastor's word? Because that is my, that's the guts of my heart for the church and what I'm trying to say uh, at this moment. Every month I write one of those letters, and that's on the webpage. Praise God. Th- last year, 190. This year, I believe we can save 250. So I'm not being ridiculous. I haven't doubled it. I've just gone another 50 because I had a goal for 200. I missed out by 10. We had three in the last Sunday of 08. Three in the, um, saved last Sunday night. Three people saved, two youth and another adult recommitted. And that was another three. And that gave us 190 for last year. Bible talks about faithfulness, but the Bible talks about fruitfulness. Amen. So we want you to be faithful. A lot of people, are, you know, there's a lot of good people going to good churches, good churches out there, mainline churches, we would call them, Anglican maybe, Church of Christ. They are so faithful. But I, I, I must say that there's probably not enough fruitfulness in their faithfulness, which is meaning that there's another side to the coin. Jesus did talk about faithfulness. But there is fruitfulness. And I believe the fruitfulness comes when the Holy Ghost gets a bomb under you and motivates you to get a bit bold. When I said bomb, some... No, I don't mean... I mean, get off your rusty dusty, get anointed, get fire of the Holy Ghost in you. Bible in Jeremiah says, like fire shut up in your bones, the message. It's like Jeremiah says, I can't contain this message. It's like fire shut up in my bones. I've got to pray it. I've got to speak it. I've got to declare it. That was the dilemma of Jeremiah the prophet. Amen. And so it's a bit like that for us as believers. The gospel is like fire shut up in our bones. And the gospel is good news. We want to preach it. We want to come to a church that is speaking it, preaching it, declaring it. And that's what it's all about. Amen. So this year, 250. Is that cool? Do I hear an amen on that? That's great. Fantastic. I can't believe how wide awake you guys are for this time of year. Everyone usually just checks out and 
But I believe we're living in days of days of excitement. Um, what I want to do is, is give you, and I did this last year, the best of the prophetic word that I could find. And I didn't check much out, to be honest. I did check a few prophetic ministries out, and I found um, the best of, of the prophetic. Because the Word of God says in 2 Peter chapter 1, and this is chapter 1, verse, help me, verse 19. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it. You will do well to pay attention to these prophet people, these people that are a bit out there, to be honest. They, they're, you know, they look a bit, if you meet one of them or if you know some of them, they've got a funny disposition. But that's because they're so pressed up against God. When you get people pressed up against God, who knows that you get a bit funny, amen? And so it's, it's these prophetic people that hear what God is saying for the now. Say now. Because we want now faith. Do you want now faith or just yesterday's faith? Do you want current faith, now faith? Praise God. So we have this word of the prophets made more certain, as, and we would do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place. Praise God. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. Lord, let Jesus Christ rise in our hearts. Let me start off by saying this. Now, this is the best of. I'm just going to read some of this stuff out and, and declare it to you. Clear direction in an unclear world. Thoughts for the new year, this one prophetic person says. And, and this is a quote from John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. These are the words of Jesus. So, of course, um, 2009 started innocently enough, and, uh, but we're hearing these phrases called uncertain times. There is an anchor for the soul that holds amongst the rising tide. God's word is surety from the mouth of the one who made us and who is with us amid each of our individual storms. What is he saying to you today? What has he illuminated through his word for the coming year? That's what I want to say to you. To you. What, in January, it's a great time to chill out, go on holidays, drive your cars to these cool destinations, take a couple of weeks off. That's what I've said. That's why half the church is not here. I've said, get out. I want you fresh. I want you alive. I want you not jaded. I want you awake because we're going, we're going to do it good this year. We're going for more fruit. The, term, the, the theme that we have for this year is fruitfulness equals fruitfulness. Uh, faithfulness equals fruitfulness. Thank you. Now, this particular prophetic person says, for me, 09 means this. Romans 12 in the Bible provides the ultimate New Year resolution. And she says this, giving ourselves fully to the Lord, not being conformed to this world, but allowing God to transform our minds. So we begin to think more like him. Romans, you can check this out. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Um, loving without hypocrisy, caring for each other, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Here's the big one. Continuing steadfastly in prayer, hence the New Year's Eve service. I felt that we had an unction in our spirit to bring on 09 in prayer. And so we met New Year's Eve. And we, it was great. We had some ginger beer, 
someone brought some non-alcoholic. There's actually a new one out for those non-alcoholic people. There's a new, thank you, Gail, there's a new, because um, there's not many of these type of wines out, and you're always struggling as a non-drinker to find something like half-decent. And Gail, thank you for that, that bottle of whatever it was. <laughs> it was fantastic. Non-alcoholic, please, stated there. Um, she says, I feel it's the season to steadfastly be praying uh, and being cheerful as a giver. Next, blessing, not cursing the ones who do us wrong and not thinking that you are much wiser than everyone else. Not laying down the fight when evil comes along, but overcoming with evil with good. I want to I wanna touch on that a little later on. Not laying down, not turning a blind eye when you see a fight on for a person's soul, say, or, or your own life. After all, the Lord Jesus knows exactly what we're up against and he provides the antidote for an anxious world. And I think the scripture does say, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. He said, and as if in answer to our, our glass is half empty skepticism, he added, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Praise God. John 16, verse 33. Another guy says, who's um, fantastic ministry, uh, this is Steve Schultz of the Elijah List, and he says, our editor, Julie Smith, shared with me just a few days before New Year's Eve, the Lord awoke her abruptly one night. This is what happens when you're prophetic, when you're really close to God. God will wake you up and tell you stuff. Who would like to be like that? Who would... Who would like to hear from God, get woken up during the night? I mean, Paul McCartney used to get woken up. He got woken up to write Blackbird sitting on the... That's how he wrote that song, apparently. I mean, how did you write it, Paul? I got woken up during the night and I had a custom of having a pen and a pad beside me. They're the words I had. That was the melody I had. Scribbled it down, went back to sleep. It's the same deal. It's, it's a, an inspired moment of inspiration. He says, our editor, Julie Smith, shared with me that a few days before the New Year's Eve, the Lord spoke to her abruptly one night. She was startled by this awakening because she was wide awake instantly. She sat straight up in bed and the Lord said to her, it's time for the supernatural. Write that down. This is a prophetic woman, woman gets woken up in the night and the Lord says to her, it's time for the supernatural. I was feeling that last year. I don't know about you. Who's with me on that? Can I get some... Can I, yeah, praise God. It's time for the supernatural. When she shared this with me, this guy says, Steve Schultz, the first thing I spoke to her was, what good is going to, what God, what God is going to do is far beyond our comprehension. I believe this year, that means 09, God will move us from our current comprehension of Him and take us far beyond to a deeper supernatural understanding of Him and His nature. Very important, people of God, to understand who God is so you can advocate for Him and, and speak on His behalf. How can you speak on behalf of God if you don't know who He is, His ways and His nature? Amen? It's time for the supernatural. I pray this year God opens up new realms of Himself to you and through you that you divinely know Him and His supernatural ways. Now, everyone knows Rick Joyner. 
this is from him. Just a very, man, there's pages of this. And I could only just get one paragraph virtually out of this. He says this, President-elect Obama won the election because he seized the high ground of hope for the future. The hope he gave was mostly undefined and superficial, which only goes to show the power of hope, especially in difficult times. This is a lesson we must learn. One of the most tragic mistakes of Christianity has been to focus on the prophecies of judgment about the end of the age instead of fulfilling the commandment to preach the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel means good news. And it is the greatest news the world has ever or will ever hear. When the greatest hope of all is articulated, no message on earth will ever, will ever had a greater impact. It's time to take up the charge. Now, when he said that, and he wrote so much more, this, this, that prophetic word for 09 is, is fantastic. I got it at home. Um, but I'll stop there and I'll stop on that statement that he makes in talking about the good news. It's time to take up the charge and preach the good news through the church. The world, news, the world needs the good news. We're in uncertain times. People need to hear the certainty of the good news in God, in Christ Jesus. Who's with me with that? One key perspective I have for this year, I'm saying this, 09 is to save as many people into the kingdom, young and old, that is to impress upon them the good news with an intensity of spirit that compels them with great hope and urgency to know God. My personal resolution, and I got this scripture during the week, was in 2 Timothy 3.16, and this is the, the paraphrased version in, in modern day language, it's called the Message Bible. You can get that at the bookshop. And it's paraphrased by Eugene Patterson, I think is, he's called, uh, or Peterson. And, and this scripture goes like this. Through the Word, we are put together and shaped for the task God has for us. Now, you are defined in who you are, not defined by reading magazines, watching DVDs, of listening to iPods, of reading books by some author that, you know, subscribes to philosophies and ideas and imaginations that, you know, most of the time not of God. But if you subscribe to the Word of God, and the Bible says in James, if you look at yourself in the Word of God, you will see yourself as a mirror through the Word of God, and you will see where you are, where you live, who you are, what you are, but what you can do. And if you keep looking, you can find out the real you in the Word of God. I'm talking about the supernatural Word of God that can transform you and cut through your mind, cut through your heart to the depths of the inner recesses of your life, the Word of God, that's like a two-edged sword that cuts between bone and marrow, goes down into your spirit and uncovers the God reality of who you are and, and, and what you're designed for. God is a purposeful God and He has designed you. Catching, up, catching some FM, I think, there. See, you've got to realign yourself. 
and you've got to pick up God. And so the Word of God actually can define you. Say define. That's powerful. If you understood that, uh, you would be blessed. And I'm not going to be long this morning, so it's cool. And I said this, I believe as the church we have such a task, a challenge to engage the crisis. I'll say it again. I believe the church has a task, a challenge to engage the crisis of humanity separated from God. You're God's heroes. God wants to define you by the Word of God. He wants to motivate you in 09. He wants to mobilize you, anoint you. He wants to mobilize you and anoint your mouth to speak. Because we have a situation of a lot of people living in uncertain times and they are vulnerable to being upended. Not in God, but upended in the world. Tragically waylaid by unfortunate circumstances. And we don't want to see that. We want to see people on the sure rock of hope in God. No matter if they lose their job, no matter if they lose a loved one, no matter if something happens, they're standing on the rock of Christ. Who's with me on that one? They're standing on the great hope of God. That's a powerful thing. 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the light. Now I'm alluding to something. So when I say this word, I'm going to get somewhere with it. 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ... I'll, I'll let you guess the word that I'm trying to emphasize. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Am I giving too many hints, am I? Galatians 5.13 says, You are my brothers who are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather serve one another. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Luke 4.18, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, on you, because He has anointed me, anointed you, to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Which may not mean physical blindness, but blindness, prophetic blindness, spiritual blindness of not understanding the world they live in, that we're living on a fallen planet, on a fallen planet, and we're living in a contention between good and evil. Some people don't even know that. Hey, don't involve me. It's got nothing to do with me. That's why people say, you know, that we shouldn't argue, or they don't want to argue about politics, religion, and there's an, or sports or something. I don't know. They say, look, it's got nothing to do with me. Just I'm having time out. But there is, in actuality, a contention, a war on the planet between good and evil. Who knows that? Who believes that? Come on. And so, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. That means that Paul says, the Apostle Paul said, there's veils over the mind, the eyes, the heart. Some people can't even see God. When we say God, they go, 
they, they're not sure what we mean. They can't hear God. God can't speak to them. And that's why the Bible talks about prayer. That prayer lifts the veils off people's minds. It lifts the veils of people's eyes so that they can see. And, and really, let's, let's say to be true right now, without the supernatural power of God inviting people to a place where they can hear the gospel and then without the supernatural power of God bringing that seed of the gospel unto people's hearts and then without someone watering it, but then without God making it grow because that's what the Bible says. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. And bang, three people saved last Sunday night. That is supernatural. That's not because of some dynamic of entertainment or emotional thing. It's all about God drawing people. And I just... I want to say this to you. Without the supernatural Word of God, you won't grow up and won't mature. Without the Word of God, you won't mature in God. All the epistles in the Bible is all about you maturing in God. Any of the epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all that is about you maturing in God. But you won't mature, you will stagnate and stay as an infant in God if you don't read the Word. You have to find some way into this Word. Get yourself a tire lever, get yourself a stick of dynamite, but uncover that cave, not Aladdin's cave, but God's cave of the mysteries of the Gospel. Because unless you do, you will just get vague, you will get cross-eyed, you just lose that glean in your eye, you'll lose your composure, your countenance, you will lose your smile because my preaching won't hold you up in the end. This church won't hold you up in the end. It's you and the Word of God. It's you and Jesus Christ who is the Word. You've got to find a way into it. Otherwise, you will go downstream with the flotsam and jetsam of life, but you've got to swim like a trout against the tide of humanity, against the tide of darkness that is rushing towards this planet like a mighty river. But I know of another river who makes glad the city of God. Amen? Come on, guys. I'm preaching good this morning. Come on. At this time of the morning, at the start of this year, I want to say to you that this house should become a house of prayer. It should be a supernatural house because without the Word of God, without the Holy Spirit, without Father God, without Jesus, we're going nowhere fast because unless the Lord builds the house of God, it's labors, labor in vain. No matter how good our programs are, no matter how good our kitchen is, no matter how good our worship is, no matter how good our hospitality is, and people say all the time, the love. I feel the love. How can you get the love of God out? Supernaturally, by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I've got miles of scriptures to back up every statement that I'm saying. Without the Holy Ghost, you are bottled up like genies. Land, what is it? The, the bottle. The, yeah, man. We, but I know this. With the Word of God. With the Word of God. Rubbing your genie's lamp. Oh, praise God. Resurrection. The smiling, the smiling, loving, compassionate believer that I thought you always could be has manifested in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on, Word of God. Like rubbing two sticks together, trying to get fire, fire. There's got to be a better way. You've got some matches. You've got something. No, you've got to go to the Word of God. There's no better way. Can't just Pastor Phil lay hands on me? Can't I go through the fire tunnel? Can't you do another fire tunnel tonight? No, you've got to go to the Word of God. Amen? Come on. It's the Word of God, guys. It's supernatural. Your soul is crying out for it, just like my dog cries out for food every day. Scratching, scratching, looking at me, looking at me. I can't even walk by. My, my, the dogs are there. Get, get out of here. You're fat, but I tell you, come on. But that's your soul. Soul, I know you want to, I know, I know you, 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 know, you want to be fed, but I've got things to do. I've got places to go. My friends are coming around. The DVD, man, I'm going to watch that first. I'm going to. Man, I, I've got a cake to eat. I've got a baked dinner. I've got, a, I've got, a, I've got, I've got places to This soul is just <gasps> dry. Freedom. I said that word freedom. Freedom. Say freedom. Say freedom. Soul. Say souls. Say souls. Say supernatural. Say supernatural. Say prayer. Say prayer. House of prayer. A house of prayer. Say supernatural. Say souls. Souls. Say supernatural. Say freedom. Say freedom. Say freedom. Say freedom. Let me tell you about freedom. Put the music on. It was Thursday morning I'd been in prayer for about three hours in the word of God all morning I was in prayer and Julie beckoned me to this place to go out to the marketplace I wanted to stay in the word to be honest I wanted to stay in this place with God. But God obviously had sufficiently filled me, blessed me, anointed me. My ears were open. My heart was rekindled. My passion, the burning embers of my heart, was again lapping up against my calling in God. And so we went into this place and the whole family was more or less with us. We were doing some business. I can't say what sort of shop is because I can't give the details of, of this story away. But we were in a shop and I went to the product. I was having a, a look with my daughter and I could feel the presence of the people in that room. It was only a few. One was the lady serving. There was another lady, a frail lady, a, just 
a non-entity almost, very frail, very skinny, very small, probably about five foot five even, not even that. And I could see her finalizing her business uh, of what she was there for. And, and somehow I looked over to her and I made a gesture after she finally paid and and was struggling with her purse and putting what was left of her money into it and and I don't know what happened but the, I think it's the Holy Ghost that just enabled me to just say something I don't know what I said to spark up the conversation but I did I said that you know boy you know what accent is that you got she said I'm Polish. I said, wow. Yeah, I could, I could hear you from somewhere. And we just chit-chatted and a little bit. Then I, I said, how old are you? And she said, I'm 84. I said, where did you grow up? She said, in Poland. I grew up in Poland. I said, well, gee, uh, it been a long time ago. Uh, help me. Um, what was it like growing up? She said, I grew up through the war. We were uh, surrounded as a 14-year-old. We were surrounded by the invading forces and my mother starved to death. I buried my mother at age 14. The receptionist now in this place is listening and just, just amazed at the frankness of the conversation and kids are there and we're just taking in a deep breath. And, but she's not saying it, but as she is, she's starting to cry. And I said, how'd you live through such a thing? She said, well, I was carted off. I was taken to a, a prison camp. And I was sent there to work. My brother died in the war also, and I have no surviving family members. I met my future husband in the work camp. We met each other once and twice on the second time. He asked me to marry him because the Americans had come and made a way for freedom. And we realized that we were going to be free. And my husband and I, we clung on to each other and we quickly were married. Still in our teens, uh, maybe 15, 16 now. And I said, my God. <laughs> well, I'm staggered now and I'm just the wind's taken out of me. And I said, where are you going? She said, I'm going now with a trolley, you know, those ones with wheels on them. And she said, I'm going to Westfields. I said, how do you do that? She said, I'm going to take a train, a bus. And I said, no, I will drive you there. We will drive you there. My family will drive you there. If you can wait for us, we will take you to Westfields. We'll take you to the bank. And so we did. She climbed in, we put a trolley in the boot, she climbed in the back with the kids. Understanding that this woman was so much smaller than my daughter Gemma, who was about 12. 
She looks so much bigger than this frail, but still lively, vigorous woman of 84. She said, my husband is at home. He has Parkinson's disease. We live in a big house somewhere and on an acre of land. I like my room. I like the bigness of my house. It's a four-bedroom house. In fact, I've got a pool too. I'm thinking to myself. So we help her do her errands. We buy her a coffee and, and she has a little cake with us. And I said, well, let me take you home. And she concedes. She says, oh, that'd be fine. She obviously trusts us. I'm starting to think, this woman must think I'm crazy. I said, by the way, I'm a minister, a local minister of the local church, C3 Tugra, just to let you know that, you know, we're, you know, and she said, no, I trust you. I've learned to be able to discern who I can trust. I could discern that I could trust you from the moment you spoke supernatural. Bible says that they will know us by our love. The world, help me, the world will know us by the love we have. Not by the theology we have. Not by the name tag. Not by the office that we have. The world will know us by our love. She said, I knew you. She'd look you right in the eye too. And I'm thinking, I'm looking into the eye of someone that's lived through such incredible events. I was staggered. The wind was taken out of me. I was reduced to just a, a humble man. <laughs> but we took her to her home and she said, look, I want you to come in and see my home. I said, look, no, it's okay. No, I'd like you to come in and see. We turned up at this house, this picket fence, the longest picket fence I've ever seen across this quarter of acre property. And then the longest house that I've ever seen in my life. And she began to show us the path she literally made with her husband only 10 years ago. And I could see sandstone put together by cement and other rocks. She said, we brought those in on, by this car, this old car. We've still got now this old Kingswood. She said, we can't drive it now. I said, amazing. She said, those trees I still cut and trim. Big hedge over the whole driveway. She still trims. 84 years of age. She said, I want you to come in. No, no, it's, it's fine. We don't want to come in. It's, it's all good. No, I want you to come in. In we go. And we meet the husband. And he's can hardly speak the motor stuff of his brain. is, But he's lived a life, man. A life that is extraordinary. I mean, he was captured too. Sent to a workstation. Saw his friends die repeatedly was put in jail at the last moment, which averted him being killed the next day. He said, jail was like heaven. I said, freedom. They showed us to the mantelpiece and the photos, the great-grandmother, the mother, real people. That was them when they were young. That was them here. That was them there. And again... I'm staggered by the, the length of time that we're giving in our lifetime and what we can do. She ended up, they ended up in um, Bathurst, I think, in a sheep shed 
She said, the flies, the flies. But we were so happy to be free. We ended up out at Linfield, living in some sort of box. And then we ended up at Padstow. We built our own house. Then we ended up somewhere else on the river. We built our own house. We left there. And guess what? Where they lived on the river happened to be 200 meters from where I used to live at a place called Illawong between the Georges River and Warren River. Warren, I said, we were neighbors. We were neighbors and we didn't even know it. So the plot thickens now. She said, this is amazing. I knew what she says. I knew, your, I knew where your house was. I said, I knew where your house was. She said, look at my house. Look at this room. Look at that room. And the hallway is just gigantic. This room, this room, this room, this room. She said, I love room. I love my big house. This tiny little lady just loving the fact of freedom. Let me show you out the back. Huge pool. So what do you do with that? I clean it. Swim in it. So what about this yard? I mow it. Let me show you the car. Into the garage we go. And it's this Kingswood, 1977 Holden Kingswood now unused she said we used to sleep on the bonnet when we were younger we used to sleep in the back and both of them appearing in and just reminiscing i said you might need to sell it ah sentimental value so we rounded up with just basically blessing them at times he began to cry. I could lengthen the story, but there's details because what he started to unpack some of the stuff. He started to share some of his journey and he started to cry and she's crying. I'm going, my God. It's all about freedom. You know, it's all... uh, I'm not going to say this in a political way, but Poland was invaded. I'm not going to even say the, the nations that invaded it. But two other nations, I'm not going to even say the other two other nations, had made a pact. They were big nations. And when Poland was being invaded, the other two nations said that they would, if any other nation stepped into that nation, they said that they would be there. And because they didn't act upon their word and go in and protect Poland, Seven million people were lost in Poland alone because these other two nations hoped that it would sort itself out. It didn't sort itself out. It went from Poland all through Europe and millions upon millions of people were killed. And that spoke to me. This lady spoke to me. And then I went back home and Googled the Poland War and found out that it was a for two weeks, it was invaded, and they kept a good fight up, man, those Polish, they kept, for freedom, they kept a good fight up, but it was just too much. They were in, being invaded on three sides by two huge nations. And we're not gonna blame those other nations because I made a tragic mistake. With the woman in the car, I thought I knew some Polish people. And I said, come and visit these older people that I know. Unfortunately, they weren't Polish. 
one, one of the, the, the lady was of the nation that invaded there. And I went, oh no, what have I done? But they started to speak to each other in their own language. And they, they were all fine. And I quickly wrapped it up. That's all good. Yeah, great. Okay. Well, it's good. Shut the door and drive up. I said, look, I'm terribly sorry. I honestly thought they were Polish. She's, I said, what do you think about those type of people now? She said, people are people. I do not look at nations separately. Whatever happened then, I have forgiven and I have let go because I love my freedom too much to hold any grudges. And then I thought, well, she needs salvation. She basically knows of God. She says, I'm the luckiest woman alive. And I said to her, do you think that's God? She said, well, yeah, I guess so. So I have begun a journey with this couple, I guess, for me getting blessed first, awakened to the fact as Christians, we are saved because someone prayed for us. She is saved because a nation called America got in made a way for that nation to be set free. But I want to be a nation, I want to be a people of God that makes a way for the people all around us to be set free into eternity, to be set free into freedom, to be set free out of darkness. I want to be those type of people. I don't want to turn my back and pretend it's all right and it'll sort itself out. It won't unless we pray, unless we pray and become a house of prayer. People will not come out of darkness and come into the light of God. Let's all stand. God bless you. Father, we stand before you and say, man, thank you for the wake-up calls that we do receive in life. Thank you, Lord. It's a supernatural thing to be transferred out of darkness, out of prison. But the anointing is upon us, Lord. The anointing is upon us. Lord, the battle was won when Joshua was on the fields and Moses, Aaron and Ur were holding Moses' arms up and while the prayer was going on, the battle was won in prayer. Lord, we want to be a praying church. We want to be a people that help this situation called planet Earth being in the throes of uncertain times. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. 1 Timothy 2.8 1 Timothy 2.1 I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Philippians 4.6 Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by power and petition and thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Friends, we believe the hour is late and the times are urgent. We need to pray and see people released from uncertain times into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of light.